Welcome back to the G Truth and Only Good Truth. Now, I didn't record last week. And yeah, I have no excuses for that. Um, this is college. It's not an excuse. It's actually more of a reason to be more consistent. So, from today onward, I'm going to be a lot more consistent. Because this is college. I now have my own schedule. It's my own life. I basically determine what I want to do. And I really want to do this. So I got to be committed and determined and all that stuff. So from here on out, it's going to be consistent. I'm going to record Tuesdays and Thursday. That means videos should go up Wednesday and Friday. So hopefully that works out. Second thing. I do a lot of swing back and forth. So I'm going to do my best to not do that as much. Maybe a little movement is fine, but not a lot of swing back and forth. Because that's just weird. Uh, it just looks weird. It just, it just looks off. That, that's all. So I got that out of the way. Now I can actually talk about football. Or actually, I'm just going to start not talking about football, but just in general. It's been a pretty good week. Um... Yeah, I gotta talk to my family for a bit. Um, I gotta talk to my sister. She recommended that I listen to Panic at the Disco. So, I did. I listened, I listened to the last two albums that, that uh, was created by Panic at the Disco. And they're pretty good. My favorite one is Death of a Bachelor. That one's really good. It's probably the best album. Uh, Pray for the Wicked, uh, the most recent album, is also pretty good. So, definitely check those out. Listen to it, give us some time. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, what, what I'm going to try to do also from now on is, in these intros, um, give a little, uh, view of my life. It's kind of like, uh, I can give a recommendation of music every now and then. Um, so what's going on in my life. And, what else? I have one more thing. And I was also planning on, from now on, maybe once a week, not reading a full-on biography, but maybe like a summary of someone. Football player, anyone, historical figure. Uh, someone and just reading about it and drawing inspiration from it. And I can talk about that a bit for the intro. I, I, think, it's good, uh, I think it's good inspiration for myself and also probably for any listeners out there. It's also a good thing to, to do because... Yes, be your own person, but some of the most successful people in life read and listen to other people's stories and learn from that also. So before I hop into my first topic, which is really, really nice because it's Daniel Jones and his first start for the Giants this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to talk about my Chargers. It's not a full-on topic. I had it as a topic, but then I scrapped it because I was like, it's just made me, it's basically just made me sobbing for five, six minutes. So I'm going to do that for, you know, 30 seconds. All right, so here's my rant, basically. Muffin Corn, please come back. Please come back. I thought that we needed to do for the playoffs, but our offense is looking horrible. Our defense can't stop the run. And... Yeah, somehow we couldn't get any pass rush onto Deshaun Watson this past weekend, even though he has one of the worst offensive lines. J.J. Watt and company had no problem getting to Philip Rivers. 
Um, I don't know why we went away from Austin Eckler at any point. Keenan Allen has been tearing up the league, but it hasn't been resulting in wins. Right now, if we don't get our act together as a football team, we will not have any shot winning the Super Bowl because the only shot that the Chargers will have at winning the Super Bowl, even though they're better away than at home, but it matters in the playoffs. Their only chance is if they get a first-round bye. They need a first-round bye, and in order to do that, they need a first win, win the division. And at this point, they got to beat the Chiefs in both of the, of the division games that are coming soon. So now there are talks of Melvin Gordon coming back, ending the holdout this week, so that's good. But this has got to be flipped around fast. Fast. Now they play against the Dolphins. The track record against the Dolphins has not been great. But hopefully it does flip things around a bit. So without further ado, let me hop on to the Giants and Daniel Jones. And what I thought about his first professional start in for Eli Manning. I just threw up and by accident. All right. I loved Daniel Jones this past Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's, I just learned that's so bad. All right. I will admit, though, I did not love it when he got picked. Not because I, I believe that he was a bad quarterback or anything like that, but just because of where he was picked at. Number six pick, he could have easily gone and been a bit later in the draft, but, you know, the Giants found their guy. It seems that they found their guy that they really, really like. And in the short amount of weeks that he was groomed by Eli Manning, he looked really good. Some of the positives are positives that you want from any quarterback that enters the league and looks very professional. Very Tom Brady-esque with his poise and mannerism inside the pocket. Very composed, always keeping his eyes downfield like Patrick Mahomes. To me, um, the way that he stayed in the pocket and just kept the eyes downfield, didn't care about any pressure. It looked very uh, Baker Mayfield-esque from last year. From last year. That's important because I'm talking about Baker later on, but from last year when he just didn't care about pressure and just whistled passes everywhere. That's not how you use the verb, but okay. Um, most of his passes I was running through the game tape, they were mostly the good reads, like the correct reads. So that, so that just tells you, like, he, he knows what he's doing. And he's making good, quick decisions. With the I mean, the defense was flying at him. Yes, Tampa Bay does not have a great defense, but they were flying at him. They were sending numbers. Now, you can argue, hey, they were sending numbers, so there's bound to be one guy open. True, but he had the composure to actually find that one guy instead of running out of the pocket and just throwing it away or getting sacked or being overwhelmed. Um... And with that also comes taking what's there. Kind of what I want to see Baker do a bit more. And, and Sam Darnold to do a bit more. Is just taking what's there. If you have a three-yard flat route, take it. 
take it because you get yards. You do. And I'm not, and I'm saying I'm not saying for statistical purposes. I'm saying for just in general, it helps your rhythm. Helps you know wide receiver or running back, tight end get a feel of the ball, and helps keep it helps keep momentum going instead of incompletion, 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 punt, incompletion, and so on and so on and so on. Now for the problems, there was only one major one, which was kind of a double-edged sword, in a way. Where, like I said, he's very composed in the pocket, doesn't care about the pressure. And in a way, that's good, because then you end up keeping your eyes downfield, and you can do crazy things with that. Because you could just throw it and not care about getting hit. But at the same time, you're not aware of the defender coming around the edge and stripping the ball. As soon as you cock it back to throw it. Because that happened twice. Twice. And... I don't know what's going on. And I think that going forward, teams are going to start doing that. They're, they're, they're going to do the classic. Confuse them with coverages, make everything look the same. That's what they're doing right now with Sam Darnold when he was still active and healthy. And that's what they're doing now with Baker Mayfield. And a bit with Josh Allen and Josh Rosen soon. Kind of, maybe, not really. Um, they're they're going to do that. They're going to provide more edge rushers, a lot of QB contain, probably. A lot of that to maybe get around the edge and because he's not going to feel that pressure. And so he's going to end up causing a lot of fumbles, maybe cause the defense to start doing that. So he's going to adjust to that. Um, they're going to take away Evan Ingram because now a lot more injuries are popping up for the Giants. With Saquon out, another wide receiver out, not a lot of weapons for Daniel Jones to work with. Um, I would say for them, for, for future defenses to also force the run. So just drop back in coverage. Make a lot tighter throws for Daniel Jones to make. He'll make them, most of them. But make it a lot tougher and force the run game. With, uh, I think it's Wayne Goldman Jr. Who, who's the uh, second string running back behind Saquon. Overall, I think Daniel Jones should be fine. Under the mentorship of Eli Manning. Now, Eli, we know he doesn't have the skills anymore, but he does have the mind and he does have the experience. So I think that under that mentorship, I think I think Daniel Jones should be fine. I would just say that defenses are gonna start doing that a lot more, providing edge rushing and dropping back into coverage and forcing the run game to beat them, like uh, from from the Giants. Now I want to talk about the Carolina Panthers with Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen had probably one of the best games you can ask for from a backup quarterback, not named Daniel Jones. He was spectacular. He was superb against the Cardinals this past Sunday and got the win. But in my opinion, and this is a G-truth, so it is the truth, <laughs> um... I honestly don't think there's any controversy. I don't think there's any quarterback controversy in Carolina. I know that people are going to start saying, "Hey, we should really look at this Kyle Allen guy if he beats the Texans this upcoming week." Oh, he's really coming in for Cam's job. 
Now, the only situation I could see that happening is if he goes undefeated for the rest of this year and wins the Super Bowl. That's the only way. Because, for me, he could have... He, he could have had an eight-touchdown game, eight running touchdown, rushing touchdown, zero interception, record-breaking yards, historical game against the Cardinals. And guess what? The Panthers' plan still remains the same. Kyle, Kyle Allen is a good backup quarterback for the uh, Panthers behind Cam Newton, and he's a great plan B option. And, we're, and we just saw that. Especially with Cam having, I believe, a Lestring foot injury and having to go through that. And he's going to be out for a while. So he's a good option at quarterback. But it all depends on Cam Newton. It all depends on Cam Newton. Whether or not he returns fully healthy. And when he's fully healthy, is he back to that MVP Cam Newton level that we know him to be at? Or that he could be. Because he was missing throws horribly. And there were questions about his health. About his shoulder. And then his ankle injury happened. Ankle or foot injury. One of those. And then Kyle Allen steps in. And he had a phenomenal game. Completely accurate. Making throws that Cam was not early on in the season. But I'm telling you. It does not matter. They're going to hold on to Cam. And they're going to bring him back to the field. Fully healthy, not rushing back, even though Cam may feel like he, want, he needs to be rushed back because he may feel like his job is being threatened, but it's not. He needs to be back fully healthy so that, so, that, so that they can test him and see if he is that guy. If he is that guy that brought him to the, that brought him to the Super Bowl and had a nearly um, undefeated season. But in the grand context of things, Cam Newton has injured a lot of quote-unquote battle bruises. I was looking this up, I read it. I forgot who the two running backs were that were mentioned in the article I was reading. But I did my own research on it and did my own digging around of it. He has nearly as much rushing carries as Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and... Uh, Mark Ingram the third, three elite running backs, and guess what? Guess what? He has more carries than Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, who is first, second, or third best running back in the whole league, he has more carries than Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, that's a lot of miles on a quarterback. That's a lot of battle bruises. Wear and tear. I think for the Panthers, it's clear. They have to keep Cam healthy. But, it's also clear to me that if it doesn't work out, they have a very solid plan B in Kyle Allen. The formula is simple. There's no controversy. It's a plan. It's a sequence of events that they have set in order for Cam Newton. Now, controversy is quite simple. Just a plan. We got plan A. Cam returns fully healthy. 
returns to MVP caliber or close to it. And they come back to the glory and playoffs and who knows what else. Or they go to plan B. And it's Kyle Allen time. And we've seen what he can do. Alright, I'm going to get some water. And then we're going to go over what I have gone completely wrong and completely right so far. For my predictions in my NFL standings video. So I'll be right back. We are back. I just got hydrated so now I can speak more clearly instead of a dry voice. It's pretty simple. Alright, this next segment is going to be, well, it's going to basically be everything I got right so far or completely wrong. Obviously, I can't go over everything. It's just in the name. But, but for that sake, I'm going to call this segment Spot On or Spun Off. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep that name, but it's going to stay for right now. And, and this is really um, just what I, I believe I got right so far for my NFL standings predictions. Um, and that's including the schedule that I put up uh, on one of my YouTube videos and on all the platforms. It should be on most of the platforms that this podcast is on, as well as a look ahead on how I think my uh, standing predictions are going to fare based on whether I've gotten stuff right or not. So let's start off with the 49ers and the Steelers. They actually faced off this past Sunday, and it was horrendous. The 49ers turned the ball over, I believe, five times. Five times. And the Steelers still lost. The 49ers are 3-0, and the Steelers are 0-3. Now, I got this spot on. This was spot on from my prediction. I believe that the Steelers would have a struggle moving the ball and and having Juju Smith-Schuster as the number one option, James Conner as their running back, and not having Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown on that team. Because, believe it or not, they are important, and they help that offense tremendously. Now, I did not foresee, of course, Big Ben getting injured. And who knows, if the 49ers commit that five turnover mark against the Steelers with Big Ben, the Steelers probably win that game, and I am wrong, and the Niners go 2-1, and one, and the Steelers are 1-2. and two. But that did not happen. Mason Rudolph came in and wasn't great. And... Honestly, at this point, with Big Ben out, I saw a bit of hope. Maybe that the Steelers can get that offense going, but I had them going 10-6 and six with Big Ben. But now Big Ben's not here. Mason Rudolph has to start from, uh, from scratch with Juju Smith-Schuster, James, James Conner, that whole offense, basically. The defense is getting marginally better. I feel like I was spot on. For, the, for these first three weeks, but I think they're not going to go 10-6 and six at this point. Now for the Niners, I have been spot on for them so far, but they play against weak teams. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, pretty easy. Cincinnati Bengals, come on. Pittsburgh Steelers, no Big Ben, come on. And I know that they're 3-0 right now, but 
for my standing predictions, I have them going 6 and 10. And I think that this will be close enough. I, I don't think that they'll go 6 and 10. I don't see them losing 10 and winning only 3 at this point anymore. Even though I had that in my schedule predictions for them. I think it's going to be more like 7 and 9, closer, yeah, closer to 7 and 9. Um, but I think that based on the way that they've played with all the turnovers and Jimmy, I don't know what's going on, Jimmy Garoppolo not playing up to standards. And these have been against bad teams. And they've gotten lucky if they play against tougher teams. These five turnover games aren't going to cut it. Now, they're not, they're not going to turn five, have five turnovers every single game. But it's not going to cut it. They're going to lose against the Rams. They're going to split it with the Seahawks, probably. They, From my point of view, they're probably going to split it with the Cardinals. There's four losses right there. Two wins, maybe. I just don't see them as that hype train that people do. And I've been spot on so far with that. Now where I've been s spun off, I like that actually. I think I'm going to keep that name spot, spot on or spun off. I like that now. Where, where I spun off was the Buffalo Bills. Kinda. Kinda. I had the Bills going 6-10 and 10 this year and 1-2 and two by the end of this three-week mark. But I did say that they would have a real shot if their defense was tremendous. And I said that, they, that their defense could win them some games and put them in a place to win. And right now, looking at it, they have a real shot at making the playoffs. They do. I forget what number or percentage it is of teams that start off 3-0 make the playoffs. Looking at it, the Buffalo Bills might be one of them. They might be. They play, and, and I'm not, I'm just pointing out the easy teams on on the rest of their schedule because they do play the Patriots two more times, or yeah, two more times. I think this week and then sometime after that. They have Tennessee Titans who are inconsistent, like crazy. They have Miami twice. They have the Redskins. They have the Broncos, and they have the Jets. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six potential high percentage wins. Adding to their total of three right now, that's nine wins. That, that's worst case scenario, nine and seven. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I did say that their defense could win them some games, and put them in a position not to go 6-10, and ten, but to go 9-7. and seven. I said that in a video before. You can go fact-check that. You can go fact-check that. I did say that. And I am very happy about that because even though I'm, I'm classing it as spun off because I didn't say 9-7 and seven in my prediction video, but I put a kind of little asterisk by it because I had a sense that that, that defense was going to be something. And that that defense was going to give them, a, could potentially give them a really, really nice start. And potentially put them in the playoffs. 
So I'm very proud of myself for that. But I'm not going to pat myself in the back too much because there is another team that I spun off on. And this one I really, really spun off on. Kind of. Not really spun off on, but it hasn't been going great. And that's the Bears. I had them going 3-0. So far, I had them beating the Packers. Yes, I had them beating the Packers. They almost did until Trubisky threw that interception. And let's be honest. I think kind of right about the Packers. Not really, though. But I don't want to talk about the Packers. Not, not, not today, at least. But the Bears. They're 2-1. But those are against... Ah, mediocre teams. Below average to mediocre at best. And the Denver Broncos, where they barely won on a late game clutch kick by Eddie Pinheiro. I'm pretty sure that's his name. I know his last name is Pinheiro, but I don't know his first name. I'm pretty sure it's Eddie. And this past week against the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Washington Redskins are horrible. They made him look like Drew Brees. And they made him look like Aaron Rodgers, like Patrick Mahomes. They made Trubisky look like the greatest quarterback to ever live. But I'm going to classify this as spun off, because even though they're 2-1 and I had them going 3-0, and, and that's close enough, right? No. So that's different. It's, it's a different feel to it. I thought that David Montgomery, I thought that David Montgomery with all the hype that the Chicago Bears gave him this offseason, would have a bigger role in the offense, and that he would bring sparks and more, um, more dynamics to that offense. And in addition to that, it's clear to me and to the rest of the league, to the rest of the fans out there, that Matt Nagy clearly does not trust Trubisky to operate the offense, to throw accurately, or to have a say in the offense or to be the true captain of the offense. And really those two wins have come at the hands of defense. That defense is carrying the team right now. That defense played tremendously against Green Bay. Tremendously. You put you put old Peyton Manning as quarterback of that Chicago Bears team and they beat the Packers. <laughs> yeah, they do. And for me, it, I, I would be a lot more comfortable if they had 3-0. If they were 3-0 and it was a convincing 3-0. Not more of a... Uh, are they really that good? And it's a 2-1 and one and it's even worse. It's like, that defense is good, but the offense, I just don't know. And they have a tough stretch after their bye week. They have the Saints, the Chargers, Eagles, Lions, who have actually surprised me going 2-0-1, beating my Chargers. Wah, I want to cry. Rams, Packers, once again, because they're in the same division, and the Chiefs. All those teams, except for the Chargers, as of late, because the offense has been tragic for a reason, are teams that are going to win by shootout. And I think for me, the only way that I can truly think of the Bears as a true contender is if I, if I see them win or lose, if I see Trubisky go in a full-out shootout with 
any of those teams. Any of those teams. If he goes on a full out, full out shootout, full on shootout with any of those teams, because at that point I know the defense is set. It's just a shootout. And then I then I know that you know he got things under control and they finally got the offense going for the most part. I think at this point also. It's got to be all or nothing. Matt Nagy has to be fully invested, be all in with Mitchell Trubisky. As tough as that may be. And he's been good with pressure aside from that uh, last interception or pick against the Green Bay Packers. He's been pretty good under pressure. He's been alright under pressure. But I would also like that offense to have a bit more dynamic. Uh, to be a bit more dynamic. Have a bit more creativity with their play calling. You saw Daniel Jones having wide-open throws on crossing routes, confusing the defense. Granted, it was Tampa Bay, but, I mean, you still got to throw that in there. Make it easier for Mitchell Trubisky. You got to do what the Chiefs do, which is, even though Trubisky's not known for his long-range throwing, he's done a lot of dink and duh, dink and dunk. I would like to see him mix it up a bit more. I would like to see Matt Nagy really let him off the chain, let him be the full Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky. Let him run the read option. Play somewhat riskier. Go deep. Yes, you don't have that jump up and get it wide receiver, but, you know, play with it. Try to figure it out. Trial and error. Of course, don't do it against these 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 teams that I listed, but do it against some weaker competition to figure it out. Do it in practice. Have more creativity. And if you are not willing to do that, you gotta trade for a quarterback. Or draft one in this draft class. Yeah, you gotta do something about that quarterback situation. Because the defense is set and defenses do not last forever. Unless you're the Ravens or the Vikings. I was going to have that as the last one, but I want to leave on a positive note. So I'm going to go with my last spot on, which is, which are two one and two teams, the Browns and the Tennessee Titans. Ooh, I, I was spot on. And it's not in like a hateful way. It's not like, oh, I'm the Browns. No, I actually really, really believe in the Browns. I, I said that they're going to go 11 and 5, and I really, really believe that. Titans, I don't believe in them at all. I believe they're way too inconsistent. I have them going 6-10. and 10. And I've been spot on for both of that. The Titans are just too inconsistent. You saw them. They have a great defense. But their offense is shaky at best. And at this point, they gotta, they really got to consider moving on from Mariota. Because he's either injured... Or he's missing throws. And I really like Mariota. And I would like to see him succeed. But you gotta choose one or the other. At this point, I'll, if, if I'm Tennessee, I I, I start coming, coming up with a plan to begin the process of moving on from Mariota if there's not a sudden flip around this season. This season, yeah. I said it, this season. 
Now, for the Cleveland Browns, I had their schedule Ooh. perfectly. I had them losing to Tennessee. I had them beating the Jets. And and not because Sam Darnold wasn't there. They're, they're going to beat the Jets, whether or not Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold was there. Did you see the Jets week one? Yeah. Against the Bills? Yeah. Their defense, not defense. Their offense was atrocious. And I had them losing to the Rams. And now there's some positives to take, to take from it. The defense from the Browns kept them in a lot of these games. And that's about it. There are two major problems that I see going on going on with the Browns right now. And they're pretty easy fixes. Kind of. Well, one of them is. Other not so much. First one I'm going to name is a pretty easy fix. And that just comes with time and just mental, um, mental toughness, I guess. And that's just Baker Mayfield in the pocket. Like I said earlier when I was talking about Daniel Jones. Baker, first year, played it out of care. And it was phenomenal to watch. Because he just had no care whether, whether he was, whether was going to get hit. Whether pressure was coming. He would just stand in there and just fire bullets all over the place. Strikes everywhere without a care, and it would work out great. But now it seems to me that this Baker is doing a lot of second guessing, not really sure, holding on to the ball a lot more. And we know we saw that stat line pop up from next gen stats against the um, against the Rams. He is on fire when he. Gets the ball out quick. When he holds onto the ball, it means people aren't covered and he doesn't know what to do with it. And I would say also for Baker to just calm down, slow down, get the ball out quick. Don't overthink it. If someone's open, it doesn't have to be a grandiose play. It doesn't have to be a bomb. It doesn't have to be heroic. It can be a little flat route, it can be a little screen, it can be a little curl route. Just take the yards. Get some, get some momentum. Get the feel for it early on, especially in the game. And then you can start going outside. And also do, do what Daniel Jones did, which is not only stay calm in the pocket, but also look downfield and also pay attention to the holes that you see within or the gaps that that you see within uh, the blocking, within the pocket. Because on that Daniel Jones game winner, bolted right for the end zone. Because everything opened up, parted like the Red Sea. I'm pretty sure something similar, similar like that happened against the Rams. And he could have easily had that happen when they were on like the, what, four-yard line? A lot, a lot of it's just paying attention, slowing the game down, making quick decisions while slowing the game down, even though it's very oxymoronic. The second problem, which is a lot more problematic, I would say, is Freddie Kitchens, the coaching. I'm going to get this out of the way. What the heck was that fourth and nine drop? What? 
what? I, I mean, I get like the idea where you throw them off guard. Ooh, they're gonna all gonna back off, and it's just gonna Nick Chubb can just whew, go by. No, dude, this is the NFL. That that doesn't happen. College, yeah, sure, maybe because you have more superior talented athletes compared to the rest of the group. NFL, everyone's good. That does not work. Maybe in a video game, but not in real life. And then you're also on fourth and... You have four downs, and you're on the four-yard line, and you pass every single... You have three timeouts, too. Run the ball, please. We we saw... De that was essentially deja vu-ish of... Seahawks and Patriots, Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Seahawks fans, for that PTSD, but I had to make my point. And I think overall, he has to get better control of the team, get the team to be a lot more disciplined. You gotta do something. Figure out something. Because that's this is way too many penalties. I know young head coaches usually have this problem, but this is absurd. This is absurd. And, and that stops a lot of momentum, a lot of energy, a lot of buildup, and that's part of the reason why the offense hasn't been doing great, because there's holding penalties, um, interference penalties, holding, random stuff like that, like, why? False starts, offsides, stuff like that, where it kills drives and it helps the other team. You're basically shooting yourself in the foot. And I would say, ultimately, for Freddie Kitchens, because he insists on calling the plays, you gotta be, you gotta be more dynamic with Baker. You gotta be more creative. Let Baker be Baker. He is. You can look at the quarterback grade. He is great going deep and short. Not so great middle middle of the field. So don't keep on throwing to the middle of the field like you keep on trying to do. Make it quicker throws. Help him out. He's still young. He's still developing. He just finished his 16th game last week. He's still young. He's still learning. Make it easier for him to learn and groom him. And I would say at the same time, don't be too conservative. Because right now it looks like he's coaching to not lose instead of to win. By coaching to not lose, you end up losing anyways. Because so you end up being too conservative. But like I said before, it should click after week four. It should click after week four. That was my prediction that they'll struggle for the first four weeks. They'll probably struggle for two weeks after that too, but their, their offense is going to start getting going. They're going to start figuring it out, and I believe that they're going to end up 11-5. So out of the one, two, three, four, five, six teams that I mentioned, I have Niners continuing with the way that I predict them going. Um, the Browns and Titans still going the same way. And Bears, if they can get their offense together. And the Bills, I had them going 6-10, and 10, but I also did say that if, that their defense could win them some games. So I'll put a half right where I got that right. Yeah, so that has been spot on or spun off.
I really like it. I'll probably do that every couple weeks or maybe every week. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to add more segments. It should be really fun. That has been The Cheating Truth. Thank you for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe on, on whatever podcasting platform that you're listening to this on. And be sure to stay tuned. I'm going to be a lot more consistent. I did say that. I'm going to be a lot more consistent, so stay tuned. Uploads go up on Wednesday and Friday, except for this week. So, thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Peace out.